This is the Acts 2028 podcast, where two young Church of God pastors discuss the challenges and victories we face in leading revitalization. I am TJ Samuel. I am Brian Seidel. I am in an urban context in Seattle, Washington. I am in a suburban and rural context in Boise, Idaho. I am in a liberal state. I am in a conservative state. My ministry background is in missions. My ministry background is in youth ministry. And yet we are both in our first lead roles. Help God revitalize the existing church in the Pacific Northwest. We are helping each other. And you. To truly live out Acts 20, 28. Hey TJ, here we are again for our uh, jumping into episode two of season three. So uh, we are excited to be back. I know, um, again, we're in the Pacific Northwest. It is February when we are recording this, and it snowed at both of our houses today. So that's, uh, you know, yeah, we're on the same page there. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I think that's more common in your area, but, you know, Seattle is more known for rain, but we got it a little bit more in the solid state as well. And so um, our kids this week are off because they get a midwinter break. And in fact, we were talking about this before we came on today. Uh, they were anticipating a trampoline to come. And so we're going to set that up in the snow as soon as I jump off of this and, and head there. And so they're really excited. Uh, I'm excited that they will have that for the rest of the week to get some of that energy out. So we're glad yes. to be here. We're glad to run through this. But yes, again, uh, we are human. We do have those lives. And man, we're, we're braving the weather just as you guys are. So no matter where you're at, uh, I was talking to my brother, he was in 80 degree weather. Bless you. Glad that you guys, hopefully you're doing well and glad that you joined us today so that we can um, continue learning. I know this is going to be one B that you're going to take the lead on for a lot of it, but uh, we arrive at it with different perspectives. Again, with the way that uh, God has ordained your ministry and the way that he has brought me through ministry, we may have arrived at the same task of being lead pastors, but uh, some of the framework and some of the things that were equipped, whether that's, as you would say, your wheelhouse or your strength, um, and then just the way that we've maybe gone about it. We didn't come about it in the traditional way. We talked about this before we came on. Um, you had a long standing uh, as a youth pastor, and that's part of your dynamic, and that's part of your perspective as we bring this in. And for me, it was different, right? I was a associate pastor that had an emphasis on missions um, and things like that. And then as we both have been at, at Cloverdale, we had multiple hats that we wore that uh, branched outside of those core roles. But, you know, for me, I didn't have the same framework of speaking on a regular basis. So this has been a change for me. I, like I said, the only part that I have is in my background, when I was the Bible teacher at the high school, uh, you know, I had like six periods a day where I would speak to the kids, but still that was a little bit different, a little bit more rigid as we had curriculum and I got a chance to speak to them, you know, five days a week, but still a little bit different, uh, more curriculum based and relational based as a youth pastor would. So um, you've got a little bit more time uh, with this subject matter today, as well as uh, you've been using it for many years and more than I have. And I love how you're like, Hey, look, this isn't a self-help how-to book to just, you know, you do this and you say, you know, two Hail Marys or whatever it is. And it comes out perfect every time. This isn't some <laughs> yeah. recipe that it just comes out perfect. Um, knowing that adaptive, but I'm 
excited to kind of learn a little bit more today because these are uh, some tools that, again, the framework will help us to be better equipped, to be better leaders, to be able to communicate. And even though this might be a strength, just knowing that people know that you are intentional about things. Also, even though just for your planning and speaking over your time and allocation, this also does a lot for a buy-in factor and for people to know that you're intentional about the things you do, that you plan it out, that it's not whimsical, that you're not just, uh, as Pastor Tom would say, a hip shooter. Uh, you know, like there's some of these things that you're, you're very intentional about where you think God is leading you. And that is important for wherever you're leading for them to know that you are doing that, that you have a plan and that in that plan, your source of supply is God and that you rely on him. And so that's where we're going to be today. I know you're going to take lead on a lot of this and I'll jump in where uh, obviously I have some, some points and maybe even pose a few questions for you for clarification on some of these yeah. points. Um, but Absolutely. yeah, let's go ahead and let's jump in, man. So, yeah. So um, again, we are focusing on just the idea of speaking every week, right? And how do you manage preaching and speaking to the same audience, you know, week in, week out? And like you said, your background is a little different than mine. Again, I have been speaking every week for most of my professional ministry career. Right? Like you said, as a youth pastor, um, again, I was speaking every week to the teenagers. So like I said, this is a framework that I've developed over my last 20, 25 years of experience, you know, in, in speaking ministry. And so um, obviously, like you said, now, as we're both in these lead pastor roles and regardless of whatever role you might be in, wherever you're at, um, I think some of it, even if you're not speaking every week, I think that some of the principles I'm going to bring up today, I think will help you in other areas of your, of your ministry as well. Uh, so, like I said, Ben, this is honestly, I can honestly say this is my favorite part of my job, right? Is speaking is presenting God's word every Sunday. And so, um, anyway, so we're going to jump into this first. And like you said, one of our goals for this season was to dive deeper into some some details and practical steps into some things that we've brought up in earlier seasons. So we, we first talked about uh, preaching and teaching every week uh, in episode three of season two. So if you want to go back and, you know, look in the archives of, uh, of that, um, or you're just picking up now and you haven't binged all of the episodes leading up, uh, if, if, you know, if you want to kind of first hear the first conversation we had about it, um, it's back in season two, episode three. So, but today, like I said, we're going to jump into four different principles that I brought up that I've written down here that I, that are the framework for my plan on how I preach every week. Okay. So the first one, okay. Principle number one is you need to know your job as a pastor slash speaker slash preacher. Okay. Now to say that again, and I say slash these titles because people call it different things. Right. And, and again, that I know there's a lot of people out there, at least I know I've experienced this and depending on where you are in the country, it might be more so than maybe we even experienced in the Northwest. But um, if you're a pastor of the church, they just, the assumption is that you're a preacher, right? That you, you preach every week, right? And they're like, oh, oh, the preacher's here, right? And again, you see, so realize though, and like I said, know your job. And I think, think about, because speaking to the same audience every week, week in, week out, there's 52 weeks in a year, right? So, you know, of course you take out, you know, maybe you're sick one week and some vacation day or whatever, but the reality is you're speaking to the same people, relatively the same audience, um, mid forties to probably 50 times a year. Right. So one to say, so one, know your job in that. And the first off to say is that it, your job as a 
as your pastor, preacher, and speaker is different than a conference speaker or an evangelist. And I think that's important. It's an important difference to, to, to make because, again, it's easy for us as speakers, as preachers, to go to a conference or to hear somebody on the radio or, you know, go to a big evangelistic event and go, man, those, those people, they're so good at speaking and they had the whole audience and they made everybody laugh and they, all this stuff. And I'm terrible. And, and when we compare ourselves in that way, just the, we have to realize that um, our job as weekly speakers, as pastors of our churches are very different than their job, right? I mean, they, and you think about, again, conference speakers, evangelists, those kinds of things, they, they probably have five messages that they recycle in every city, right? And in fact, they probably have two or three that they speak mostly and maybe a couple fringe ones, right? And so they've spoke the same message, right? With the same text, the same jokes, the same illustrations, all of that stuff over and over and over again to a bunch of different audiences. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying they shouldn't do that, but the reality is it's very different than what we do every week, right? So just know one, always, I mean, one, don't compare at all. I mean, really the, the point is I mean, like know your job, right? And like your job is to be a pastor of the flock of, of the sheep that God's put in your congregation, right? So um, that is your main job. It, it is not to entertain them. It's not to make them laugh. It's not to, you know, um, entice them to buy whatever they're selling at the conference, right? And and again, the, 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 just my point is the purpose of the conference speaker or the evangelist or, you know, the fly in, do the message and then go to the next town type of speaker. Um, they are good at what they do, but it's very different than what you do on a weekly basis. So don't compare that. Um, also, I'd say as be careful on even how you do compare yourself to other preachers, right? And in their church, because their churches are different, their their giftings are probably different than yours. You know, their context, those kind of things are different. So, so, but just know what your job is. And I'll tell you, this is how I've defined my job, right? As as lead pastor of Oregon Trail, okay, I consider my job as a preacher every week. My primary goals is to teach people how to interact with the biblical text and to fall in love with scripture, right? And every, every time I prep a sermon, every time I walk onto the stage, like that's my prayer every week is Lord, help these people who hear this today, right? Primarily my congregation is in front of me in the sanctuary. Also our online audience, right? And anybody who listens to our podcast later, uh, when they interact with this message, I hope that they will um, interact with the biblical text, right? That the, the, the text that I'm presenting is more understandable after the sermon than it was before. Okay, that they get that and that they are just falling in love with scripture, right? That, that, again, that I'm showing them enough. I'm, I'm you know, showing them the layers and the, the complexity of scripture and what it means and how it applies to our life. And that, that the more that they interact with it, the more they fall in love with God's word. Right. And so that's, again, I see that as my primary role, right. Is to introduce them to who God is right through the text and have them fall in love with scripture so that, right. My hope is that they'll leave from that sermon and they will dive deeper into what, the, you know, into scripture, into God's word, that it will be a, a, you know, permeating force in every day of their life, not just on Sunday morning. Right. And for those 35 to 40 minutes that I preach on a Sunday morning. So with that said, is as I do that, then secondary purpose for that in my job as their pastor is, is to cast vision, you know, promote our mission and our core values of our church and keep them familiar. And I do that a lot through my sermons, 
Um, there is, uh, you know, I focus on our vision, mission, core values, um, and I weave those in and out of the text that we're studying. And so that they are familiar with the people in our church. And so again, if you listen to any of my sermons, and again, I, I have another podcast that is literally just my sermons that are on there. Uh, it's called a faith journey podcast. And if you listen to the podcast, you'll hear me talk about our core values. You'll hear me talk about our vision and our mission and join the journey and all of those things, right. That are there. And I weave it in and out throughout the sermon. So again, primary job, right. And my job as a pastor, speaker, and preacher every week is to, to have people interact with the biblical test and fall in love with scripture, right? So the scripture has a, is more and more a part of their daily lives, not just on Sunday morning. And also then to use it to cast vision, mission, core values, you know, for our church and in our context. Yeah, I will say the, the caveat to that, and I'll just warning, and then I want to hear your reaction to that is, um, I never do. And I try to hold myself accountable to this. And I don't think you should ever do this either is do not use sermons to call out people or situations from the stage, right? If you have a certain person you have a problem with, like, don't write a sermon about them. Like, just go talk to them, right? Like if, again, if, if giving is low in your church and you're struggling in that way, right? Don't just write a sermon about tithing. Like, I mean, that might be a piece of what you need to do, but like, my point is like, if, if you have need to have a hard conversation, have the hard conversation, don't do it from the stage. I feel like that's just really cowardly way to go about, you know, fixing problems in your church. So what if my message is about Matthew 18 and conflict resolution though? And it just, <laughs> uh, yeah. illustration bends its way that way. All right. N- never mind. I was going to go back to some of those things there. Thanks be on that. Now, I think how would you define maybe just in a little bit, because I think sometimes people get hung up on the difference, you know, sometimes historically um, like when you're talking you know, evangelist or a conference speaker that you were saying, a lot of those people, I think, fit more into that preacher kind of category by definition. So they're going to bring it, they're going to speak. And when you talk about pastor or teacher, there's a different connotation that's associated with that. One, you're, like you said, you're trying to get them deeper um, in that you're walking it out. So if, if I was going to give a biblical scenario, um, there is going to be, and we can't go into this hugely, but love your neighbor. Which one is the neighbor we think of? For me, it comes to the good Samaritan kind of thing. So we have the priest, yeah. we have the Levite, and then we have uh, Samaritan that comes along the way. Which one of these is, you know, Jesus is going to pose this question. Which one of these is the neighbor? And so he's like the one that responds. And we know that to be, fast forward, spoiler alert, the Samaritan, right? And in that though, he isn't just there because, I mean, I think if, you know, we really look into that text, the priest would have been riding in, uh, you know, in a fashion where he could have put him on an animal or something as well and taken him. Now, the drawback in that cultural context, he probably would have had to go and have a cleansing and do some things. We don't know where he was on the way to, and that might have hindered his ministry. Um, maybe inconvenient. I don't know. We can't really get into all that piece of it. But in that of those three scenarios, I think the Samaritan models out maybe more of the pastor teacher point, because if you remember how that story progresses, he says he takes him to the inn, and there's a whole other ramifications that could be happening here. I mean, like here they say he was kind of beaten unconscious. They don't know exactly. You would have been that day known someone's uh, ethnicity and stuff based on their attire, their clothes that they would be wearing. And the way that they spoke, 
Well, if this guy was beaten to a bloody pulp, left for dead on the side of the road, naked, well, there goes some of those disqualifiers. He doesn't have his clothes. He's obviously not speaking, so you don't know. And here's this guy taking him in, the Samaritan, to take this guy in. He might even be uh, hemmed up for being like, you did this to him, right? So there's a lot of ramifications. But in that scenario, um, that Samaritan does the pastor kind of teacher piece in the sense of not only does he take him to the end, but he tarries on for him with the long haul. This isn't a just touch point and leave him. He says, yeah, I'm going to pay for this at the end. And if there is more, I'm coming back to pay for this when I come back. And so that is part of the difference. As I just heard you speak, at least in my mind, when I identify those preachers, teachers, and how they go a little bit different again, preachers i mean some of them are my favorite i'll give you one more example would be um i remember a few years back uh, francis chan who i i I love when he gets so animated uh when he speaks stuff and i i love his energy his charisma all the things that he has but as a preacher if we're going to kind of put that piece on it in this passion kind of conference i was at with louis giglo he's talking and he's like in a crowded stadium. I mean, thousands upon thousands. Right. And, and he's talking to him and he's like, this is easy. But when you're talking about evangelism, or as you were saying, bringing this to life or, or doing those things, um, he's just like one-on-one evangelism. That freaks me out, man. He's like, I got to be honest. And you're like, this is Francis Chan. Like this dude's speaking to thousands of people every time he gets a chance. But again, even as we're wired and you were saying, don't compare because you might have that gift to where, man, you do really well with a person or Francis can set a entire group on fire. So I'll let you respond to that. And then I had another uh, question about that after you're done in this segment that you just finished up. Yeah. So, so no, I, and again, I think that's a, that's a great example. Cause again, I've like, again, I've heard Francis Chan speak, you know, on, on a, multiple occasions in live situations. And again, yeah. that man is amazing, right. At, at presenting the word, at drawing people deeper, you know, getting a, a, a room full of thousands of people like unified in what the text is saying and what God's doing and inspiring people. I'm like, absolutely. Right. But again, to, to that point is that that's his strength. And like, and all those times that I've heard him speak, right. Like you said, he literally parachuted in speak and left. Like he had like no relationships with anybody in the audience. And I think that is the biggest difference. And I think that the one that you always have to keep in front of you is that again, you are doing life with these sheep, right? Like you are the shepherd and think about a shepherd, right. And a pastor is a shepherd, right. A shepherd lives with his sheep. Right? And, and there, there, there's relational clout there. And there's all that that plays into how you teach the word to them and how you walk through transformation together as a church, right. And how you're pastoring them. And so again, I think realize, um, and again, there are some just really, really gifted speakers that are terrible pastors. Right. And, and in fact, that that's part of probably why they even just travel around and just preach. And I think that's a good thing, right? Because they're really good at that, but they're not good at, at pastoring a congregation. And so, and again, I think part of that is just knowing, but yet part of pastoring a congregation is speaking every week for most people. And so just, you know, know that. And, and, but again, I guess just kind of be easy on yourself, right. In the whole comparison game. Uh, when it comes to, you know, some of our celebrity pastors or conference speakers or evangelists or, you know, whatever that would be. Yeah. I think maybe a a point that when you were just saying that, filling in the blank a little bit there for me was, uh, 
another difference in that is I was thinking about my kids. We were talking about the trampoline. We're talking about those things when you're living life with them, your sheep know your voice, right? Like as we're leading, as we're the leader of the flock, they know your voice. And now Francis would be easy to pick up on because he's so well-known He's written tons of books and he has those things. And so people probably know Francis's voice because it's pretty unique. But if they don't know your voice, then they might not follow it. And that's from, you know, as I say, our kids, if I say, you know, someone's name, Trey or or Elikana, they know my voice saying it as opposed to their mom or, or someone else. And it just responds different. So being, like you said, living life in relationship, I think again, part of that is intentional, that that's how we, it's not a secret here. This is how we know God too, is being in relationship with him so we can hear his voice in those quiet, still moments. So I like that. Okay. Transitioning on to that next point that you made with use your sermons to cast vision, mission, core values, and keep them familiar. So again, let me help clarify this a little bit because we've been trying to do some of these things here. Uh, You have to be intentional um, about vocabulary. So as you want to move them to a preferred future, you start using words, whether that's from your mission statement or things that they're super familiar with, that when they hear that, it's not out of the blue. Meaning uh, Church of God at the national office, they have a uh, kind of a, a phrase that Jesus is the subject. And so if it's not about him, um, it creates this rubric or filter that it's like, hey, look, uh, we're going to stay in our lane a little bit too. Like, so again, like you said, <laughs> not mm-hmm. to address issues from the stage or, or, or those things. Um, if it's not about Jesus or we're not asked to speak about that, or, or God's asking us to it, um, some of those things probably have to take a back seat. or the aforementioned, they might have to have a one-on-one Matthew 18 kind of moment. Someone still doesn't listen, bring somebody to bear witness and, and play it out in the role that it is. But um do you, is that something that you guys are super familiar with uh, as far as terminology or I don't want to use the, the phrase, but it, it kind of evokes like trigger words for that part that are coined that they are super familiar with that maybe, you know, at this point, since you've been there a few years, if you were along with one of your uh, elders or a congregational member and you guys were serving somewhere in the community, you would hear them use some of the same vernacular that you would use because it's just become a part of the DNA of the church. Oh yeah. Yes, absolutely. And and I think because, and again, like I said, that's, I mean, we've talked about another, but that's been one of the major key components of our revitalization here has been, you know, was just a new vision and mission and core values for the church. Um, and, And so uh, and, and again, I know, I mean, I know, again, our church of God, you know, heritage likes to say like the Bible is our creed, right? Like, and which is absolutely true, but I think, but you need something more specific and understandable, you know, for your congregation, you know, than just to say, yeah, we, you know, our vision is the Bible. Right. And well, yes, it is. But, but like you said, how do you, I mean, how do you articulate that? How do you communicate that to where people truly understand what that means? Because the reality is people, when you think about it in our world again, and we live in a post-Christian world. People don't know what's in the Bible, right? They, they have an idea what's in the Bible. But when you say hey, the Bible is our mission, like, you know, yeah, we just do what the Bible says. Well, nobody knows what the Bible says, right? And, and in fact, a lot of, especially in the unbelieving world or the, you know, um, de, you know, de-churched people or whatever, they grow up in church, even a lot of what they think is in the Bible probably isn't actually in the Bible. 
right. right? You know, or, or whatever. So I think, so that, that's where it does. Like, again, you use the biblical text to, to, I mean, you truly do that. Like, yes, we do the mission. The Bible tells us, but let's, let's drill into that. Right. And let's, let's put some language to that. And I know now, again, there's a, there's a caveat there. We don't want to just use Christianese language and words that, that, you know, nobody understands unless they hear, you know, sermon, you know, four sermons from you. I mean, that's, again, that's not the goal. Um, but just to say that, like, again, our, our vision and mission statement is during the journey. And so like, I talk about that journey of faith and the process of growth and transformation, you know, and so I, and I use that language, right. Of, of how is your journey going? Right. And what's the next step in your journey? And, and here's in this text, it presents these, you know, three things we should be doing as followers of Jesus. These are a part of our journey. Right. And, and so that's again, ways that I use our vision mission language into sermons. And the other side is like, we have four core values and, and, and again, one of them, I mean, the first one is similar to church of God, right. But just that Jesus Christ is the destination of our journey. And so, yeah, on all of scripture, I mean, he's the center of the gospel. So when I present the gospel, I'll say, you know, yes, the gospel is about Jesus. He's the only way, the truth, the life. No one comes to father with him. That's why he's core value number one, right? Like, you know, you throw those out like that just so that it is familiar to people, right? And so that, again, the only time that they ever see your mission and core values is when they take, you know, uh, or when, when they look on the front of the bulletin, like that's, that's, just, that's not enough. And so yeah. again, they need to know why, right? They need to know where it's coming from. And sure. so, yeah, you, does, yeah, does, but, does that clarify? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you brought up a good point, right? Like, so as you're, you're talking, knowing um, your audience and some of those things, I mean, I think each one is different, right? So you're going to have some that come or they may have a background. Like if you're in, we talked about this a little bit, if you're in the Bible Belt, um, the exposure to uh, Christianity and the Bible is going to be more prevalent than probably a place like where I'm at in Seattle in the Northwest here where, um, you know, Sunday weather is good. People are going to go out and they're going to, you know, we have the Pacific Ocean, we have lakes, we have all those things here afforded to them that they're not. And I think they can get kind of caught into the fact that, um, oh gosh, how would I say that, that they can sample. They, if they only know a little bit, they will only look at that piece that they know. And so then either that could be good or it could be bad that they reject, but it's not really necessarily good because they don't know the whole truth. And so I think those are the hardships. So I think one there is kind of, you talked about the audience and knowing, so not speaking Christianese, and sometimes that's tough because even before we get up there as communicators of the gospel, whether preacher or teacher, um, most studies show that people have made up their mind long before that. Usually it's like within the first five minutes or something that they're on campus. And so long before we get up to even address some of those things, it might be the way they were greeted when they came in. It might be the programs that we did or didn't have. Just depends on your area. Um, but you know, if you didn't have the options in the car they were searching for, so on and so forth, that might be, uh, you know, they're already on edge before you even get a chance to get up there. Um, and then another part is Christianese. Like if we're singing a song that like Emmanuel, there's blood in the fountain, someone might think they rolled into a cult because they just don't understand yeah. that, that will shed the cross, those things. Uh, so Christianese can be a difficulty. Um, it makes sense for us Christians, obviously. It can be very difficult for someone that maybe, again, knowing your audience, knowing where you're at, if you have someone that wanders in. And in that phrase, I guess, maybe just to kind of tie that up, um, 
I just realized personally for me, it had been a while since, uh, you know, a few sermons back. I don't make a habit of it each time. I'm, I have a response time sometimes to say, hey, after a sermon, if you need prayer, you want some of those things. But I kind of led people through like a salvation prayer or rededication prayer because of that moment, because of where we're at and mm-hmm. because I hadn't done it. So when um, when you do that, is there a part of that where, where you're at that you kind of with that Christian ease and, and how often do you kind of give that uh, response time in yours? Yeah, well, actually, um, we offer a response time every Sunday. Um, now, um, to, to say that, like, again, it's kind of at the end of all of my sermons, right? It's like, hey, our work team's coming back up. Like, let's, uh, here's your time to respond through the God's word today to, to take the next step of your journey that God's putting on your heart to take, right? Again, using casting, continuing to cast that vision, even in that, in that call to the altar. Um, and again, and I always say like, you can respond in your seat and that's fine if you want to come forward. And like, we have like one side who say, here's the altar. If you want to go by yourself and pray, you can stand, kneel, whatever you want to do, pray by yourself. No bother, you know, go to this side. If you want to go to the other side of, of the stage and I kind of point that out, I was like, then somebody will meet with you, talk with you, answer your questions, help you accept Christ. Like whatever you need to do, just pray over you, right? Like come over there. And so we offer that every Sunday. Um, do people come forward every Sunday? No, um, they don't. Right. But but again, part of that, again, part of my job as, as the teacher and the pastor is to set the table for them. Now, whether they eat or not is between them and God, right? But, but again, that's part of me knowing my job, right? Is to, I set the table, right? And I can, I consult their hay with the servant, right? But, but I can't get them to drink of the Holy Spirit, right? And so again, that's between them and God. So, so yeah, I will say like that, we've kind of built that into just, that's part of our normal every Sunday routine is to give people a, a chance to respond, you know, before they, before they leave. Sweet. Okay. So I think at this point, let's move on to uh, your point too. I wanted to, I wanted yeah, to get a little to number more. Two. Yeah. So, all right. So, so number one, again, just to review is know your job as a pastor, speaker, teacher, preacher, right. Whatever that is. Okay. Um, and really put some thought into that and realize that, you know, and that's, again, all has nothing to do with the sermon itself. Um, but it has everything to do with sermon itself. All right. Uh, number one, number two, um, is to ha- develop a teaching plan in advance. Okay. So develop a teaching plan in advance. So to say that, and again, in advance might mean something different for you than it means for me. Okay. I will tell you for me is I plan out my sermons, uh, a year in advance. And I plan out in an entire year chunk. Now I know for some people that sounds really daunting and overwhelming. Um, and, and some other others, it might seem like, Hey, that's impossible. You can't write 52 sermons and, and you're right. I don't, and I don't write 52 sermons right in one time, but I do develop a plan. Okay. I develop a teaching plan and, and just, um, so I literally, I go away. This is my, my yearly routine. Um, like I said, and it's kind of adapted over the years, right. As I've done this, but, um, I started out just planning a couple months in advance. Right. Um, and then it, it got moved to every six months. And like now the last several years, in fact, the entire time I've been at Oregon trail, I've planned in one year chunks. Um, and so, um, every fall kind of September, October ish, I plan, I plan out the entire next year, um, of my sermons. Now I, the, um, again, I, I have a spiritual retreat. It's part of my own sp- spiritual disciplines. And I go away for a few days to a week, you know, by myself, um, you know, to a cabin or camping or whatever it is with, 
uh, with my computer and my Bible and, and a bunch of different things I'm going to do that week. One of the things I always do every year on that spiritual retreat is I plan out the next year of sermons. Um, so, and I literally just, you know, literally list out every Sunday for the next year, go in there, put in where Easter and Christmas and daylight savings time is, and you know, all those kinds of things, right. See where the 4th of July is. Cause that's, that's traditionally our lowest attendance Sunday of the year, right. Is whatever weekend, the 4th of July is around. Again, I see all of those things and then I start to build my plan, right. For the next year. Um, and so as I do that, here's kind of the framework that I have found that I use to do that. They, um, again, it, and one of the reasons why I do it, it is because I want to teach, um, again, going back to my job, right? Well, one of my main parts of my job as a pastor is to teach people the Bible. And so I want to teach them the entire Bible. I don't want to just teach them my favorite passages, right? And I don't want to just, you know, preach the same four sermons over and over and over again the whole year, right? And so, um, yeah, so I, I, want to teach the entire Bible. So every year I sit down as I look at those, those weeks and start, you know, fitting things in, um, every, every year I have a standard of, I teach one gospel a year, right? So again, it's central of our faith is the life of Jesus. So I'm going to teach that every year. So, but I rotate through the gospels. Obviously there's only four of them, right? So, you know, on year five, you're going to go back and teach the one you taught year one. Right. And, and again, that's kind of where I've been, but again, it's Jesus. You can't teach Jesus too, too much. Right. Um, so I do a gospel every year. Um, I also make sure that I do one, um, solid series from the old Testament and one solid series from the new Testament every year. Um, I also, um, usually will throw in a topical series every year. And I'll just tell you like, cause that, again, that's not my sweet spot, like topical preaching. And again, if, if topical preaching is your sweet spot, then say, then make sure you throw in a verse by verse or chapter by chapter sermon series once a year, right? Like just, you know, go outside of your comfort zone or your regular thing. And I try to do that. So for me, that's topical. So this example of a topical series would be, um, like I said, actually we started this year in January with, uh, I, I preached a series called On Purpose, right? And it was a topical series. Uh, and I talked about um, your time, your relationships, uh, your money, um, and uh, and your talents and abilities. Right. And so I just, on those four topics, how do you live those the life on purpose in those four areas? Right. That was a topical series that we taught. Um, and I did it right in January. Right. And I had to plan that off. Right. You know, kind of new year's resolutions, everybody's motivated to make changes. And so again, that's, but I, I planned that out in October last year. Right. And like that, Hey, I'm going to start the year with this topical series. Hey, um, so a gospel, old Testament, new Testament topical series. Those are the four that I always kind of make sure I get in everywhere in somewhere in the year. Um, the other thing is I also try to have one, at least one series where I challenge myself. They, to go outside of my comfort zone. Um, so I'll choose a series that stretches me, right? Or that's really unfamiliar that I know is going to take extra time and effort and prep to do, but one that I'm going to challenge myself in or a passage that scares me. Right? And again, we all kind of have those, you know, if you read through the Bible, there's probably a passage that you'd be like, oh man, like it would stink to do a sermon on this one. Just example, Romans one, right? It is a very challenging chapter, Okay. Um, you know, again, what in that, because it, again, it goes into the, it's, um, sexual sin and like, and he's very vivid in the things that he just describes there. Okay. So again, just there, there's different ones that I, again, Malachi three might be one that scares you, right? That's a, again, that's the tithing one, right? Um, again, so I try to stretch myself with one of those. I'll tell you just several years ago, it turned out 
and it was a tremendous series, but like one is I taught, I did a series on the book of Ecclesiastes, right? And that was one of those that I did that year that was a challenging one for me, right? That was one that's outside of my comfort zone, outside of, and that, that was a challenge to teach Ecclesiastes in six weeks, right? And again, and that's a very depressing book if you ever read it, right? So, um, but again, but it turned out to be extremely um, fruitful, right? And that, so, so um, as I look at the year, the other thing that, uh, again, that I, I do is, again, is find your sweet spot as you're planning out the year. Like I said, for me, my sweet spot is going through books of the Bible chapter by chapter. Um, so again, I'll have a series. In fact, I just finished a series this last week where I did four weeks through the book of Colossians, right? And I taught the entire book of Colossians in four weeks. Um, that's kind of my, my sweet spot. And so again, but I think part of it is as I work through my teaching plan is I make sure that I don't only do my sweet spot, right? Because, because then it's just kind of, it becomes really predictable for your people. Right. And you're just kind of, okay, here we go again. Another, you know, whatever, like, especially if it's topical, right. Or it's always verse by verse, right. You know, whatever it is, find your sweet spot. Um, like I said, and, and, you know, you can stay there, but I encourage you to definitely mix it up as well, which is why I challenge myself with a topical series every year. Right. Um, so the other thing it really helps helps with to plan that out is it makes holiday holidays and seasonal shifts um, a lot easier to manage. Again, Easter and Christmas, those are ones that you should have a plan for, right? That you need to work for. Those are central holidays to our faith, right? And ones that you need to teach on every year. And so again, those are things I plug those ones in first, by the way, when I go to that, right? Is I kind of build the entire spring around my Easter series, right? Because that's the most important series I'm going to teach in this in the spring right? Is again, for us, Easter is our highest attended Sunday of the year. Okay. But the, the other side of that is if people only come to church one Sunday, I want to make sure I want to entice them on that day to come back. Right. Again. Um, and so typically I, well, I will never. And again, even like this year is I will conclude a series the Sunday after Easter. Right. So that on Easter Sunday, when I preach on Easter Sunday, I'm, I'm, I'm again, baiting them to come back the next week. Right. And so, Hey, the conclusion of this series is next Sunday. Hope to see you then. Right. So again, and I plan, again, plan my whole spring around Easter and that series goes in first. So I have enough lead in a time, even a week or two after Easter, right. In order to, to maximize that holiday, um, in our culture. So again, for God's glory and, you know, to help, help people find Christ and be more committed to church. Um, also just example, right? So again, Easter Christmas, very important. Also, uh, it, it helps me manage, like, for example, again, in our Northwest in Idaho, people live here to play, which means in the summer are like, you know, we all know the summer slump in the church. Like that's a huge deal in Idaho because everybody has a cabin. Everybody goes up to the lake, right? Like they're gone all summer. And so um, part of the, one of the ways that I've done that is I typically will plan out um, a longer book-based series in the summer. So that if people are gone or watching online, like they know that, Oh, like, uh, again, we're going through the gospel of John through the summer. Right. And like in chapter by chapter. Right. And there's what, like 20, 23 chapters in John. So, you know, some of my comment, but th that's more like an 18 week series. Right. And so again, people know where we're going. They know when they're gone, they can read and, and get it themselves. So they're not lost when they come back. Right. And so I, I use that again, I typically do a longer book-based series through the summer months uh, because it just keeps everybody grounded while they're not here. Right. And, uh, in a lot of ways. So again, I'll just say that's an odd. Usually I try to plan series in four to six week lengths. I think that that's kind of the sweet spot of where, you know, they're long enough to really dive deep into something, but not so long that it gets stale. 
again, I, I felt like, you know, so especially some expository verse by verse preachers, you know, they'll spend a year and a half, you know, going through one book, right. Going verse by verse. And to me, that just, again, I just, I can't do that. Right. And I feel like everybody gets bored of it. So, um, so again, that's just, uh, so I do a year in advance. Um, also in that, as you plan that, it also helps you to be able to, uh, build in breaks, right. For yourself. Um, again, I can help plan out where my vacations, time away, guest speakers in those, you know, I can plan out where, where people are going to be so that I don't have a guest speaker kicking off a series, right. Um, or whatever. And it's also good for your own health. Right. And again, when you have that series that challenges you and you do that, then, then, you know, schedule an easy series after that one, right. Like that, you know, you put an extra time on the challenging series, then, you know, then, then do a, do an easy one, you know, after that, um, you know, again, whatever it is. Right. Um, also just for me, uh, one of the breaks I build in every year is, is for Christmas. Um, I know that that's a really busy season for everybody. Um, and so, and it's, you know, just lots of parties and just different stuff going on. And so at Christmas, again, and Christmas is a challenge as a preacher and teacher too, because it's the same story every year. Right. And so I, I purposely, um, will use a curriculum or a resource for a Christmas series every year. And I just plan that in. Right. Um, and so, and again, just because I'll rely on somebody else's creativity on how to teach the Christmas story. Right. Um, and so now again, I still put in the time, you know, and use, but I, you use a curriculum, but that's the only time through the year that I use anybody else's, you know, stuff or buy a curriculum or whatever, um, is for the Christmas series. So now obviously teaching plan again, a year in advance. Yes. I hold it with open hands. Right. Um, there's, you know, I, I mean, I have it set out, but I adjust it through the year. Right. And again, it's, it's not set in stone. Right. And I come in that, but it does really help, um, you know, know where to go. But the other thing it does is it really enables better creativity with graphics, illustration, you know, big picture series goals for, uh, for the book of Romans or the gospel of John or whatever it is. Um, and you know, it helps my staff, like my creative staff to be able to come up. It gives them a lot more lead time to do like sermon graphics or, you know, again, if it's illustration, the other side is that when I know what's coming, right. And I kind of know the, the topics that are, you know, in the, again, first John, I know what first John's about. Right. And so, you know, through that time, you know, and again, I can be my eyes open to illustrations or videos or, you know, stories or jokes or whatever that fit into where I know I'm going in three months. Right. And so it just kind of gives me time to gather, you know, other, uh, resources and illustration ideas as well to where I'm not, you know, just have the pressure of like, Oh man, you know, I got to give this sermon in three days and I need a good illustration. Like, you know, so it just gives more lead in time for creativity. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I think, all of those things. And, and probably like you've had this, uh, happen is even though you've set forth with a plan to do that, uh, oftentimes, even if the, <laughs> we've lived this uncertainty in our culture and stuff over the last couple of years, um, even though that topic is still relevant, like you can find a different way to communicate, uh, what's, culturally taking place around you with that subject matter that you're diving into. Um, and so I think that that's good. I think, uh, you know, last week I was, I threw an audible because we were at, we were talking the men's group and I could not shake Galatians five. And so I did that. I threw um, one to our worship person of the scandal of grace, which, you know, it's kind of the whole piece of where we were with, uh, what this grace were a faith-based thing instead of a workspace uh, religion. And, and so as 
as Paul's talking about this kind of, I was using the illustration of a bait and switch of you bought this app or you got this app for free, but there's so many in-app purchases. And they're saying it's like, it's Jesus plus yep. this Jewish law kind of thing. You need this Jewish law to make it work. And he's like saying, no, no. And he's come from a passionate point. They're from his first journey, planned these churches and doing all those things. Anyhow, from that standpoint, um, I totally get that. And just being intentional and getting those things. I did call a bit of an audible, but those are things where, um, yeah, I think I mentioned our general director, Jim Lyon, was in uh, attendance here this past Sunday. And, you know, anytime you throw an audible and you're talking about circumcision and, uh, you know, Paul saying, I wish that they would emasculate themselves. It's kind of an interesting way to go. But, you know, hey, if if those are the the parts where, where God's there, but um, I know our time is running short for this episode. Uh, we actually had a lot more content, so this is probably going to have to spill into another episode. But we knew this coming in, right? This is kind of the premise of this season is we want to try to get deeper than just like you referred back to. Again, this was episode three in season two, and we didn't even get through probably about, uh, you know, two out of the four bullet points that we wanted to talk about today. And so I think really digging deeper into these things uh, help us. Um, again, if there's more questions that you have or, or something that you have, like, like B always says, like respond to us on our channels or, or social media. And we'd love to try to help a little bit more, but uh, Brian, thanks for taking lead. I'm sure when we finish and come back again on this, we'll have some more subject matter, but um, I think it's always good. Even if we knew these things to be reminded of them. Right. I mean, it's just like you said, with reading the Bible, yeah. we we've, we've all probably read the gospels, but that doesn't mean that we stop reading them. <laughs> so God reveals himself to us in new ways and the renewed every morning. And so um, great is thy faithfulness. So thank you for leading us on this one today and uh, look forward to getting the second half of this at some point and, and really digging deeper into some of those other things, just being intentional. Um, you know, I think of another phrase would be for those listeners that are uh, maybe part of like the Dave Ramsey or things like that, the envelope system, really what you're trying to do is speak over your dollars and know where each one's going. This one also is kind of in that same fashion of speaking over your time, your weeks, your Sundays, however you want to quantify that and how you're going to intentionally use those as a tool, as opposed to just, you know, oh, I just, I throw something out there. So I really appreciate your time in doing this. Thanks for leading us. I'm looking forward to that second half. Yeah. All right. We'll see you next episode. Acts 2028. 20, so guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. The Acts 2028 podcast is a broadcast production of In His Grip Publishing. Our theme music is Achievement by Giovanni Bruno. We'd love to hear from you on our social media accounts or through email. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Acts 2028 Podcast. Or send us an email at Acts 2028 Podcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, leave us ratings and reviews, and even give us your email so you can be notified of new episodes. Thank you for listening. And until next time, we hope that you will lead wherever God has put you. And together we can all live out Acts 2028 as we serve in the established church.